Guys, welcome to episode six of Both Sides of the Fence, featuring myself, Kevin Buchanan, a selling agent in Hills District of Sydney, and Daniel Beardle, a buyer's agent servicing all buyers throughout New South Wales. Today, we're joined by the GOAT, the godfather of real estate, Bill Malou. Mate, welcome. Thank you. Mate, um, first of all, if you don't mind sharing with the viewers a bit about your story, a bit of background from, I guess, the point from growing up until the point where you're at now, the pinnacle of real estate. I don't know whether it's the pinnacle <laughs> of real estate, but um, I grew up in a family which were in the hotel industry. Yep. Um, myself and my brothers went into individual pubs. I, I was running a hotel out at, out at Auburn for a number of years. Um, and there was, there was a bit of an incident that made my wife say, look, I think it's time for a change in what you do. And I realised, sitting back there then, um, that your best clients in a hotel, um, especially in the Western suburbs, you literally run their social lives as well, football clubs, social clubs, um, and it's, it's a seven-day-a-week job. Yep. And we did a lot of that back in those days. And um, I thought, well, how long have I got left in this type of industry that literally takes, sucks the lifeblood yep. out of your system? And my wife said, look, it's time for you to do something else. And I always had an interest in, in real estate. We used to do subdivisions as a family. Uh, I grew up with a father that uh, had all his four boys um, sit in the, the meetings to when we were negotiating. We built a block of units in Stratfield that um, I remember very clearly. And I thought to myself, well, I can't ever work for anybody else. Whatever I do, I've got to be my own boss. And I always knew in the real estate industry, because we, we lived in Bellevue Hill, even though I was working out in the western suburbs, um, that you are your own boss. You, 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 your income will only be determined by how hard you actually want to work. There's no stopping point. It's not mm. like when you go and work for a company and you're on a quarter of a 250000 or 500000 that's the maximum you're going to ever earn. And I'm, I'm, I'm self-driven. And I also think there was a, a, when we were at the Golden Grove at Marever, and I don't know if I ever discussed this with you guys previously, we, I used to run a, um, a football betting ring for the uh, real estate agents of Maroubra. We had the Golden, and, um, the Golden Grove at Maroubra. And um, I had all the real estate agents on a Friday, they'd come in and fill there in their betting sheets. And we had a pool of money by, the, by Christmas that we'd either all go out for lunch and somebody would win a certain percentage <laughs> of that money. <laughs> and there was a guy called Mike Sanchez who used to run a real estate office in Maroubra and he, he approached me back then and said, look, will you ever make a career change? And I said, no, I'm, my family's in hotels. I think I'll be in hotels my whole life. And when this incident that happened in uh, Ormond, I remember Mike very, very clearly. It's gotta be 10 years later. And I picked up the phone and I rang him. And so I how said, old were you at that point? I was, I moved out of the hotel, I was 35. 35. So right. I'd been in the hotel industry right through yeah, from wow. 16 to 35. Yeah. And I rang Mike Sanchez and he was Sanchez and Smith in Maroubra. I said, Mike, do you remember me? He said, yes, Bill, I do. I said, what if I told you I decided I was gonna have a career change? Cause he really wanted me to come and work wow. in his office. Mm. And he said, I have a desk, you can start tomorrow. Yep. And he said, I will train you. And I thought about it. 
And I went home to my parents after this incident, which we'll leave out. <laughs> and um, I said, I'm going to have a career change. We'll put a manager into the hotel at Orbit and I'm going to go into real estate. And dad said, well, what the hell do you know? I said, look, I've sat and listened to the way we do transactions. Mm -hmm. um, I said, product knowledge is something I can learn very, very quickly. And I think we've got the art of negotiation in our family, all of my brothers. Um, are, are fairly good at that area. And he said, are you 100%? I said, I'm not sure. I don't know. But what am I going to lose by doing it? So mm. I rang Mike up and said, I want to come and have a talk to you. Now, we were living in Victoria Road at, at uh, Bellevue Hill at the time. And I went home and I spoke to my wife and said, look, okay, I'm about to do a career change. It's obviously going to be easy at 35, jumping into a new industry. And... She said, where? I said, Maroubra. And I said, where you had the hotel? I said, yes. And then I thought about it and I thought, where's the value in me trying to cut my teeth at Maroubra if there was a, an industry I wanted to ever get into and it'd have to be Double Bay eventually. Mm. So if I don't make it at Maroubra, mm. I'm not going to yeah. make it in Double Bay. So if I cut my teeth mm. in Double Bay and I make it, I will never ever have to move. Is that because and of that was a drive? Because of the availability yeah. of the stock in the area, yeah. and you know that's where all the prime real estate is. Yeah. And if you can get recognised there and you build a reputation, where else are you going to go? Mm -hmm. You know, go, go. It's mm. the it's the mecca of real estate in Australia, in mm. my opinion. Mm. Um, so then I I walked the streets of Double Bay, went and saw a number of the, the I knew, I knew a number of the guys in Double Bay. Yeah. And funnily enough, I was very good friends with two of the boys that actually worked at Hookers. Okay. And one of them was being transferred from Double Bay to the commercial division in the city at, at, at Hookers. And he said, look, why don't you come down? And at that stage, Hookers was still owned by the company. It was the last franchised office to be sold. And, it, and there was discussions about that happening. So I, um, I went down there and uh, I think it was um, Anderson, I think was, was licensee or manager at the time. And I went and sat with him, Peter Anderson, who's now back in the industry. And I think then that was taken over by Ken Jacobs. Yeah. So I went, I had, no, it was Ken Jacobs I actually went and interviewed with. And I knew one of the guys was leaving. I remember the conversation very, very clearly. He said, um, well, wait a minute, what experience have you got? And I said, well, I've run hotels. Um, I've had staff at the Golden Grove of Maroubra, which was uh, about 40 staff. I managed to manage them and run a pub. Um, I've got a family that lives in the eastern suburbs. Uh, I've sat on de um, discussions on development and subdivisions, and we built a block of units in Strathfield. And I said, look, I'll make life very easy. You give me a desk. If I don't cut it in six months, you won't have to sack me. I'll walk out the door. So I won't put you into an embarrassing situation, but I need to be my own boss. I said, I can't go and work in a bottle yeah, shop. No. I can't work in a retail shop. I need the flexibility for me to go and come, and I'll either apply myself or I won't. And so I said, in six months, stop. It's sink or swim. Yeah. So if I'm going to sink or swim in Maroubra, yeah, I think I'm going to sink or swim in Double Bay mm. and not 
put two years of hard work there and then find out, oh, yeah. I think I'm doing all right in this. Now let me transfer to Double Bay and start again. Because starting from scratch is not easy. Mm -hmm. And when you're not known by anybody, it's very hard to convince somebody to, to trust you 100%. for their property. 100%. So I did what any normal person would do. I went to Double Bay, I got the position. <laughs> And the first thing you do is go and ring every family associate friends to say, hey, look at where I am and this is what I'm doing. And I realized very, very quickly, you need a track record, right? And you need product knowledge. And as much as people would love to hand you the business, it's their most expensive asset. Whether it was two million or three million or 400,000 back there in those days of 1986. And I thought, First thing I've got to do is get all the product knowledge in the world. So I went to every property, whether it be a $100,000 unit or a semi or whatever, and started to build my product knowledge. And I actually got a, and I say this to people that come to me now, go and get a scrapbook, go and cut out one bedroom, two bedroom semis, physically go and have a look at it, have an estimation on your own belief of the value, no matter how wrong you are, and then ask the agent what range that he's quoting. And then when it's in a block of units, go to, if it's on the middle floor of a block of three, you will mentally work out that that's not as expensive as the ground floor of the penthouse. Then you look at the condition of that. Then you go and search the sales in that building. And I did this religiously wow. on everything as I, for that six months. And then I also went out with every one of my personal contacts. Yeah. And then I went to Dover Heights and decided, right, there isn't somebody really doing anything out here. And I door knocked like a Jehovah's Witness. I literally sat with little old ladies in their house having coffee. And it was amazing what information they knew that what was going really? on in their streets. The information through the grapevine. Exactly. Exactly. And I also learned very early in life, you don't need to go out and take a booklet of what your company that you're working for has, because I haven't seen one of those that doesn't give the company that's, that's sending the information pack saying they're the biggest, they're the best. I think that you've got to win people, and I've said this, I think, yeah. when we last, on a personal, individually note. I like to find out where the kids go to school. I like to find out how long they've lived in that house. Have they renovated the house? Mm. And, and, believe, and then find the most important aspect of it is what is the reason you're doing this? Mm. And I also ask, and I still do now, mm. what are you looking for? Mm. And they said, well, no, no, that's what you're here. I said, no, but wait a minute. Everybody has an opinion, whether it's right or wrong. Tell me what's in your mind. Mm. Yeah, well, and I'd hate to tell you how many people say, well, we think we'd like to get this. Mm. And then it's my job, basically, of being in the industry to say, well, this is what I think and this are the reasons why. And I suggest you go and look at the outside of these three houses, which is comparable to yours and probably are closer to what I've told you because we all want the most. Yeah. So what point in time in your career when you're looking at scrapbooks, comparing your notes, to then being confident to tell the vendor, this is what I think you should I did this very, very early at the beginning. I think that, that what people need to realize, um, next to used car salesmen, we are the <laughs> second last respected <laughs> group of people. Yeah. And to say this frankly, it's the crap that comes out of a lot of agents' mouth that I just don't have any time for. Yeah. You are trying to build trust with individuals mm. and you can't do it by lying 
or feel like you need to tell them what they want to hear and then spend the next four weeks in a campaign that they've paid for by bouncing them down. Yeah. I say my job is to, and, I've, and I say this to my staff, you are need to create a sale that nobody else can create because they will come back. When they need to sell a second time, they need to come back to you because you've got them a record that nobody else could get. And you've got to tell them what you honestly feel, but go through the process of what you're actually going to do with their property and how you believe you can successfully sell that property for them. But you have to first have the product knowledge. And the other thing that's very interesting about this industry, and I still do not understand it, I do not tell my, turn my phone off. And I think I probably even yeah. said that to really? you. Even now, 30 years plus in the industry, you ring me at one o'clock in the morning. Is that I, right? I answer my phone. And really? the reason for that is, especially in the East, a lot of these people are coming home from their offices mm. at seven o'clock and eight o'clock at night. They go past the signboard. They want to know what's going on with that. Could it be something they're interested in? And how many times do you get an answering service? And I'll guarantee you something else. Not only will you get an answering service from that agent, but you'll be lucky if you get a return phone call yeah. three days later. Yeah, yeah. all now, the time. I don't text, mm. I manually ring everybody that phones me. If I'm on the phone, there's a call there, I ring them back. Wow. If it's a Saturday or it's a Sunday, even 30 years plus in this industry, how, I will talk to them. How do you sustain that amount of energy throughout such a, so, Look, such a long... You gotta love energy. what you do. Um, my father sat us all down when we were about 16 and said, I wanna give you some very, very strong advice. Mm. Do not do anything that you do not love. Because for the next 40 or 50 years, whatever position you take where you want to go, make sure you love it. Because this is not a job. This was yeah. never a job for me. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a lifestyle. And it's a way of, there are no boundaries on what you can actually earn, mm. right? Nobody can tell you, mm. you can't do any better than this. Yeah. And then there are no boundaries. I know when I was working at my maximum level, a number of years back, six million was my budget that I would set for, for, for commissions. Yeah. And three million, four million, five, you set your own personal goals. But what you want to do is believe seriously, if you've done this for 10 years, you want to rely on your repeat business. Yeah. And I think I've told you this story and I still base my reputation on it, my son's reputation, and I tell this story to the guys that work for me. You go to a restaurant, this is really simple. A friend of yours says, meet us here, we had, we had dinner here the other night and the food was fantastic and the service was great. So you go, you try the restaurant. E.g., e Margaret's. I went to the opening of Margaret's in Double Bay. I think his service, um, and the fact that he goes to all the tables, uh, his staff are good, the, the food was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I tried to make a booking today for Margaret's, but unfortunately they're not open. I am bringing people to this guy's business based on the service, based on the food, and, and, and based on the night of the experience that I had. So it's me promoting this guy's business now. And that's what this is about. It's not what you say or how successful you think you've become. It's what people are saying about you, especially in the real estate industry, behind your back, to their friends, to their lawyer, to their business partners, look, if you're going to do something, go and talk to this person. So it's that referral business which is so important. 
You don't want to be sitting there doing letterbox drops 10 years into this industry. Right. Mark, how long did it take you to shift from cold prospecting and being on the phones, hammering the phone? Without a doubt, it took the first four or five years. Yeah. yeah. And you get a break in your life. And I think one of the big breaks of my life was the sale of the Coogee Bay Hotel. Mm-hmm. Now, that had been the highest offer they got for that when it went to the public marketplace with the commercial agents, I think it was nine or 10 million. And if I remember correctly, I sold it in excess of 13 to 14 million. That PR after that sale gave me a lot of recognition, but it was an industry that I actually grew up in and the people that I introduced, I could sit down and tell them where I think the shortcomings were. And we went into a lawyer's office at Saturday at about four o'clock in the afternoon and we left the office on Sunday morning at nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and we negotiated all night. Wow. Oh, yeah. And that's a trick. And from really? that, it builds you with the stories that came out about that sale. Yeah. And I think you need to be connected with journalists, but you need to be connected with journalists with the permission of the clients you represent. You can't go yeah, out and right. tell people when people say, I want this sale kept in confidence. But there's no doubt, back in those days, Mm. I made sure Jonathan Chancellor, we could talk about the industry, what was going on in the industry. You need to keep your face in front of the press because you will get respect from sellers from that point of view. They will look at it and say, well, look, we see this guy's name consistently with uh, editorials Mm. and um, updates on the market, um, interest rates and what you think. I think that's also important that Mm. as much as I didn't like it, it Mm. is an important aspect that you've got to keep yourself out there in front of the front of the public. And you've got to be respectful. As I've said, people ring Mm. me at one in the morning and Mm. say, I'm sorry, but I I expected you to text me back. And I said, no, I need to know what your questions are. I need to know what property you're in. I'll tell you what you need to know. You want to see it on a Sunday? I'm available to show it to you on a Sunday. We are in a serviced industry and people have got to learn that. And a lot of them don't. Five o'clock, go and turn on. I'd say more than 50% of the agents at Double Bay, you'll get a recorded message. Mm -hmm. And I just find that's dumb. Especially when you're selling such expensive real estate too. And that's what you try to do is to build your reputation. And it's out of the respect of the people you represent about for them coming back to you. Mm. And now this, I've said to you, I'm, I'm in a serious deal at the present moment. I got a text today, it's still on my phone. We have a second property, well, let's talk. Mm. And this is a serious thing. Wow. Yeah. Now, I didn't know these people. Mm. Uh, I went to their house two years ago through somebody else. Mm. And then I was referred by a very close friend of theirs. This is the only person you should talk to. Yeah. And that's where our business will eventually come from, all referral. Yeah. If you're doing this for a long time and you're door knocking and your letterbox dropping, mm. something's, something's wrong. wrong. So just for the viewers, if you don't know who Bill Maloof is, Bill Maloof does sell the most expensive real estate in the country. When you're putting together big multi, multi, you know, tens of millions of dollars deals, he just did a deal worth $60 million at the ANZ Tower. When you're doing big deals like that, the way you service a vendor and the way you service a buyer, is it easier or harder at that price point compared to a one or two million dollar deal? Look, um, the, 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 the buyers at the top end are very edu- well educated, right. right? They're a lot smarter than I'll ever be. They want the truth. They don't want, they don't want the rubbish. They need to know exactly what's with the, the vendors. 
Mm. You tr well, your vendors, a lot of them in my case, are referred to me. So I've, I'm a step ahead in regards to that. And as long as you are with your meetings with those people, now the, Ken Jacobs and I must have been on that penthouse now for nearly 18 months, two years. Mm. But the loyalty from our vendor was unbelievable. Any call that he got, the calls came back to us. Yeah. Wow. Talk to these two guys. These are the guys I've entrusted to handle this. These are the guys that I trust. They'll do the right thing by me. Mm. And it took us a while, but we got there. We had international clients that would have paid more money, but they didn't have residency. Yeah. And if you didn't have residency, you could buy it because it already been previously yeah. lived in. Yeah. And with your purchases, it's really simple. Um, when you know what your competition's selling at, e.g., um, the units at the Crown. I went and looked at the units. I had a special invitation to go and go through the building, so I knew what my competition was. It's 70,000 a square metre. The penthouse was 100,000 a square metre. Its outgoings mm. were 100,000 a year in, in right? The, the ANZ Same. Tower was two, um, 22,000 a year in strata levies. Uh, had a land tax bill of $950 a year because it was in a commercial building. So when you weighed all of those things up, yeah. it was a no-brainer. And, and you've got to know what your competition's got. Yeah, product knowledge through the roof. It, correct. Yeah. And that is really important. And don't lie. You yeah. don't need to bullshit to buyers because as soon as you've told the lie that they find out, it doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth, mm. you've, got, you've lost your credibility. You lose your credibility, yeah. you're dead. Now, one thing that sometimes I think agents struggle with, especially when you get to the, not, maybe not to that top end, but when they get to the top end of their marketplaces, when there isn't any comparable sales, how do you go and price a property like that at the top end of any marketplace? Look, this market's a little different mm. in the East because you can have variances of $10 million in the same street. Mm. In a lot of suburbs, the variances are not much. They're 100000 per property. And if you've done your research and you know what's sold and you physically went in and looked at what the competition had over two or three years, you should mentally know the value of what you're looking at. Mm, yeah. It's a matter of knowing what's driving the, the, the seller. And then the other thing that I know, there's something that's really interesting. And I do this. And I, I'm doing it on the one in Cronulla that we're, we're handling at the present moment. Um, because it'll be a record for Cronulla if wow. uh, we sell it. Um, when people ring in, what you've got to, or even when they turn up to an open for inspection, a lot of agents, the, the, the purchasers will say, what do you want? What's the quote figure? In excess of six or in excess of seven. That's all fine and dandy. What you need to know, and I ask this when somebody comes to the door, Hi, how are you? Haven't met you before. Um, you know, we're in excess of this range. My range will be a lot more higher because I try to keep my quotes within the 10% of my agency agreement. And I know a lot of other people don't. Mm. They start low. I actually ask people, um, have you seen anything? Like, what are you looking for yourself? What have you physically missed out on? Mm. People won't come out and say, I've got seven or 10 million to spend. They'll say, that's yeah, my business. Right. And you said a lot, look, I'll let you know when I've seen the house that I'm really interested in and how much I've got to spend. I actually say to a lot of people, even when we did the phone calls back, what did you physically miss out on? What, have you missed it? And yes, you're not going to believe it. Seven months ago, 
You know the one in so and so sold for eight million dollars. We were the underbidders at seven point five. We made the mistake of our life. We should have gone to eight million. Now they don't realise. They've just told you mm. what budget they've got to spend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Without me being rude and saying how much have you got? Yeah. Yeah. It's a different approach. It's a different approach. And on the big stuff. When, if you rang me and said, and I, I do it a lot, where we get a response from emails, um, the first thing my uh, right arm does, Georgia, is said, please contact Bill Maloof direct. I don't give information out um, just to the emails. For the Boyd residents, it was, what are you looking to spend? Up front, they said, but no, what do you think you want? I said, I'm selling a property that is, the owner is extremely private. He must know who's going through his property. And under his instructions, I need to know your budget. If I don't know you, I will ask you a really simple thing. Either get your lawyer or your accountant to just send me an email on his letterhead that you have the capacity to spend this. Because if someone says, oh, look, I can spend 60 million and I haven't done business with you, I want to know you've got the capacity. It's not rude to say, could you please just get your financial advisor or your accountant because this is a private home and before I do the inspection, I need to clarify who you are. And if someone has a problem with that, they don't have the 60 million. Mm. But I don't understand why a lot of agents to turn around and say, oh, 60 million because the response you get, oh, I've got that, can you take me there? And they turn up in a car that you say, 15 years old, I can't see where the consideration is here. So you don't want to waste their time. You don't want to waste your time. So I always say to people, if I don't know who they are and I haven't researched them, which we do, um, I say to them, please, just, I don't think this is rude. I'm not asking to see your bank accounts, but I need to see identification of your capacity. And it's the same with too many agents are so free over the telephone. Ah. Yeah, we're looking for 10 million. Oh, we've got that. No problems. And they come in, they see it, and they fall in love. So, but don't, we can only spend eight. Yeah. You're wasting your time. You're wasting the vendor's time. And you leave frustrated. Yeah. So there are just little things mm. that, that are there. Yeah. Now, on top of the relationships you build and the way you win your business from repeat and referral, there has to be a level of degree where people think that you get the best prices. And obviously, the track record's there. You do get the best prices. How do you think you separate yourself from your competition? Is it your negotiation skill set? Is it what you say in appointments? I'm very personable. Yeah. Um, I, do, I don't do my negotiations over the telephone. Okay. I, I believe that when I've got an offer, I ring my clients and say, can we meet? Can I come to your place? Or I think it's the personal touch. Yeah. And I also think it is, the negotiation is an important part. This is the most expensive, and I don't care where you deal, two million, three million, four million. In a lot of cases, their whole life's wrapped up in that property, and they just want to know inside that who I'm using is the right person to do that for me. Mm. And one thing about our agency agreement, it's got a price on it. Mm. And it is no good to walk into somebody's house four weeks later and say, I made a mistake, I told you four million dollars, but I'm sitting here now and I want you to take three. You know, that will leave an extremely sour taste in their mouth. And they don't forget. Mm. Yeah. And then when they, even if they took a lot less than they first expected, you're not going to get a second chance three years or six years or ten years down the track. Mm. They don't forget. I don't forget. I know when an agent yeah. lies to me and says to me, oh, look, give us the offer. 
this won't be here 24 hours later. Yeah. And if I get an inkling inside that this is not right, I'll wait. What that's done, that will affect on when I negotiate on behalf of people what I'm prepared to offer if that property hasn't sold in that period. So why lie? Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, we've got one at the moment that I've I've rung people today and said, we had an offer, which we did, that isn't that the guys brought the offer back at a lower figure. We're not prepared to consider that. But if you're there, it is a little bit less than what we were talking two weeks ago. Talk to me. Let's have a discussion if you're seriously interested. Mm. Yeah. But don't try to just give it away. There are agents out there that make sales for the sake of making a sale. Yeah. That's not what we're engaged to do. Just churning business. Yep. Yep. Now, if you were to start over in real estate today, what would, would you do anything different? Or would you just still have it? Yes, I would. I remember in the early days, I actually said to somebody, and I did ring him back, and I know the sale, I still remember it. There was a sale on the corner of O'Sullivan Road mm. that I got to do a, um, an interview with the owner. And when he told me what he wanted, I was absolutely astounded. And you never use the words, that'll never happen. <laughs> and another agent got it. Mm. And there was a particular buyer that it actually absolutely suited. And it went for a, within that range that his expectations were. Yeah. And I rang that vendor and said, I am apologizing to you. I will never use the words that it will never happen. Yeah. And you learn that very quickly. Yeah. You just, you haven't been. It's happened. And it's embarrassing. It's terrible. But I rang him up and apologized. And I said, the agent you engaged has done a remarkable job. And that vendor said, I really appreciate that call to the extent that my son's just sold mm. one of his properties um, really? down at Woolloomooloo. Yeah. Really? Because he said, I never forgot what your father said. <sighs> Painful. Wow. And it did admit when you make a mistake. It happens. So you never say the words, yeah. never. Yeah. And there's, people have also got to realise that houses are partnerships. They're a husband and wife team irrespective of, of whose name's on the contract, and in a lot of cases, both their names. Mm. You don't go to a meeting or a presentation and look at the husband mm. and not give the same respect, and I see this a lot too. Well, You've got to talk to... maker is. Correct. You need to talk to both mm. and have the eye contact. Don't look at the floor. Mm. I actually won a waterfront property many years ago because my competitor had a meeting with the vendor and didn't take his sunglasses off. Yeah. Yeah. Serious. Uh, yeah, the, the vendor said to me, you were my second choice. <laughs> wow. But you looked me fair in the eye and I'm not gonna deal with a, an agent that sat in front of me with his glasses on. Yeah. Fact. Blase. Wow. And another big, big mistake, you can't demand, we, there, are, there are a number of ways to sell. There's expression of interest, there's auctions, there's private treaty. Hmm. You should look at the property and determine which arena will work the best for that hmm. vendor. Hmm. And I remember one of my salespeople went to one in Paddington and we weren't the preferred agent, but every other agent, and there were four agents called in, tried to force the owner who had, and he told everybody, he told my guy immediately, 
don't come in here and shove auctions down my throat. And everybody else did. And we did an expression of interest. And I said to the guy, to my agent, I know this guy has had a bad experience. I spoke to him on the phone. You're the one that I'm asking to go down. If you want me to come with you, I will. But listen, listen to what he wants. Listen to the style of program that he wants to do. Do not shove one particular, and we didn't. We said, here are your options. Private treaty, expression of interest, auctions. We believe you've had a bad auction scenario. How about trying and explain the expression of interest? Yeah. We, we walked out of there with a signed agency agreement. Perfect. There you go. Only for one reason. We did not jam home what he did not want to do. Yeah. Don't go against the don't, grain. Don't go completely against the grain. It's his money that's invested in that property, not yours. Yeah. Now... I know in my, in, especially in my industry, in my field, there's a lot of agents that are coming in with lower fees. I'm not sure if they are in, in, in the buyer's agency world as well, but it, I think it's a well-known fact. You don't move from your fee. I've got a fee. You've got a fee and you don't move. And now- Look, there is a little bit of flexibility. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done business with uh, mortgagees at, at 18.5 mm. uh, because it's a whole block of units. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, at mine two point two. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And I've held that for the thirty three odd years that I've been doing this, and I did one point eight five in regards to this because there were five units in the complex. It was mortgagee, and they said my competition's doing one percent, and it's a matter of sitting there, and they've got to start to realise what the difference is mm. and who they're, they're. There's a lot of free um, advertising going on at the moment. They are buying listings, mm. and I don't understand it. If you don't have skin in the game from your vendor, which is the advertisement paid money, why does he have to accept what you do and get for him three weeks later yeah. or a month later? And if he's not happy with it, it hasn't cost him a cent. Mm. It is extremely important to be solid on your fees. And I know there's negotiations going out there in a lot of cases, mm. but I feel that why should I do this for that and when other people are going to find out and then you can't get back to where you should be. And you should have a point of difference. Mm. And I reckon my point of difference is I'll be at least 200000 or 300000 or a million dollars more than my competition. Not so much right now in the market because they're throwing money at us. But that percentage in a fee from one and a half to 2 to 2.2 is negligible. The million dollars mm. goes back into my vendor's pocket. Yeah. And I've had vendors that have said, I'll give you a scale. If you get me to this, I'll pay you this. And if you get me over that, I'll pay you on 1%. And I've said, look, I don't want a scale because my loyalty to you is I should be able to get you to where you want to be if I'm genuine about getting you the maximum price. So why incentivize me to do that? Mm. You don't need to incentivize me, but you will pay me this. Mm. How many listings has you, have you lost of keeping? I've lost there? a number, make no yeah. mistake. I'm not going to sit here and say yeah. I win all, all of the ones I go through. I don't. I'm, I've lost one recently that they were going to put on two agents and I missed out as a second agent because I know the other agent that got it did it for zero. Oh. Really? Absolute no commission. And the first agent got his fee. And it was nice. a conjunction arrangement. And I, will not, and the, I was told straight out, will you do this? I said, for what? For the exposure? I don't want to be rude. I don't need the exposure and I'm not doing it for nothing. 
Yeah. And there are these deals going on at the moment. There are deals going on at under 1%. Yeah. And I think the agents, and I say this to any agent that listens to this, wake up. You have a self-worth. Mm. Your time is worth money. And we should be able to start. When we were all on 2.2%, it, it was a, a more cleaner industry. You should be able to win the business based on your experience and your credibility. Don't sell your soul. You sell your soul, you'll never get back on top. Yeah. You'll never be able to quote a figure apart from that 1% that you're winning business no. at. It's true. And it's a simple statement of fact. It's true. Now, and it's not greed. Yeah. It's exactly what we're, our time and efforts and the results that we get people are actually, you've got to believe that you've got an advantage over your competition. And it should be your skills. And it should be your understanding to read people and to read buyers. And buyers are the same. They don't trust you but if you lose their credibility. But if you can quote or the, the competition of the properties that have sold and why they went, the buyers will realise if you want to buy this, this is what I'm going to have to pay. Exactly what's just happened for a deal that I've, I put together yesterday. Mm. And they give you silly offers, and, and offers that you say, look, respectfully, I will not even submit. And they said, but you have to. And I said, I don't have to submit if it's not in the interest of my client. And you are not my client. Mm. That gentleman's my client. Mm. Strong negotiation. It's very important. Mm. You can read lies. You can, you know, you, an agent rings you back 24 hours later. So look, look, you know, I know, no, we said this, but look, if you can come back to me at this, mm. it's like trying to close a deal a day before an auction. Why would an agent want to close a deal a day before an auction? <laughs> He's in trouble. There's something going Unless on. the offer is so far above everybody else that they've got interested in that property. Yeah. What are you, are you, with your office, are you mainly running auction or for sale in the market? We do a lot, we do a lot of auctions with yep. a lot of the other boys. David does auctions, yep. Daniel does auctions, Lee does auctions. You, it depends on the, on the property and, it, and its price point. Mm. I do a lot of mine, as everybody knows, as expression of interest. Mm. Is um, there a reason you There is, there is. A, there, I learnt um, a number of years back with John Singleton. John did not yep. like to go to auctions. Um, he said, come back to me if it doesn't sell and then we'll start to negotiate. And I realised then that there's a lot, and there are a lot of people that sit on boards and there's a lot of executives and companies. The last thing they need in public companies is to see that they paid this for a property in the eastern suburbs. You know, there's a lot of jealousy. Mm. So they don't, I think that their negotiations should be kept private. And that's yeah. why I, at the top end, I do the expression of interest. Okay. But if it's a it one dollar and you're, you'd still... Oh, look, if I've got a property yep. that I think... Um, we went to a, a two-bedroom union in Victoria Street yesterday with one of my boys, and I said, this is an auction. Absolutely no doubt. If I saw a $5 million or $7 million or even a $10 million house at the present moment with the way the market is, I think it would be very sensible to take that into a room, yep. without a doubt. Yep. But a number of the other properties at the top end, yep. it's not necessarily the right way to go. You can ruin the integrity of the property if nothing happens. It doesn't matter mm. whether it's still worth that. The only thing the other buyers recognise, you never got an offer at that level. So here's yeah. what I'm prepared. Expression of interest, you don't know where I am. Mm. And if you're not where I want you to be, it's not going to happen. Mm. Gotcha. So I just think it's more private. Mm. I believe it works for the vendor. 
it's more frustrating. I've had buyers say to me, but Bill, I don't want to do an expression of interest. And I said, well, wait a minute. If I've got two or three of you at the same level, I'll tell you to sign a contract at your maximum and I'll turn those contracts over in front of the vendor, his lawyer, and the three buyers that are also close. I'm not going to Dutch auction you for 50 grand or 100 grand. And I understand why you don't want to give me an offer because mm. you think I'm going to use that offer against somebody else. But I said, if we're all on the same page and we're all in a close proximity, it'll be up to you to put your maximum. You get one shot at the title. I'll open those contracts in front of you and your competitors on a desk with a vendor. Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. But you can see that I haven't Dutch auctioned your offer. And you've done that. I absolutely, I have done it. That sounds fun. <laughs> it, it makes people decide that I'm not going to cheat their offers yeah. or, 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 or go out there and say, look, I'm sorry, you lost it for 20000 They're going to walk out of your office and say, I got played. Yeah. And I've had some of the differences by 300000 Really? I want people to put, and I've had people come in and with two contracts. He said, "Well, no, if this, <laughs> I said, no, no, work out which one of the two you want to put on the table. You don't get two bites of the cherry." Wow, wow. never heard of that before. Haven't you heard that? No, I've done it a number of times. That's awesome. Never tried that. Wow, mate. Um, when it comes down to like, obviously, Daniel being a buyer's agent, is there any advice for buyer's agents or buyers when they're coming into deals? whether it be auction or for sale, or where you see them go wrong? Look, buying agents are there to represent the purchaser, and I understand that, without a doubt. But buying agents should also have the knowledge mm. of what the value of that property is within. It's, it's difficult at the moment, I, I agree with you. But you're being engaged by the purchaser to try and save him some money, but also be accurate. And, and people are not, even with buying agents that I deal with, and I deal with a number, they know that what I tell them is what I honestly believe in, and it's then up for them to also try and get to the parallel with me. If it's the right sort of money, they're being paid to do that by the purchaser, but don't come in with some ridiculous offers mm. and think that, that, that you're being smart in that regard. Because you're also displaying your negotiation skills, your own individual credibility, and credibility is very, very important. Mm. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. Mm. Gotcha. And it, it, it's, it's, I was approached funnily 15 years ago about opening up a division in that area. Really? And I gotta say, it was a mistake because I didn't think people would do it here because there's almost like two fees being paid. Mm. And I know they do it in America, quite successfully, mm. that the, the, the main agent gets a 6% or 6 and a half, but they've got to pay for the advertising. And then he has to split that with the buying agent who brings the actual client. Yeah. So there's a vendor agent and a buying agent. And, and the buying agency situation, I think, is very, very good for someone who's in Perth or Melbourne that can't get here or someone internationally to have somebody looking for them. Mm. But I really don't understand it if it's a local, mm. why the money that he was going to pay to the buying agent, he shouldn't just add to the purchase price of the property. But there are a lot of people that are time, don't have the time. Mm. They're time poor. Mm. So rather than go out every weekend, they mm. go to a buying agent and say, look, I don't have the time for this, but let's understand exactly what I want and where I want to be. Yeah. How often do you see those deals at the top end with buyers agents? Um, there, are, there are times where we do, yeah. where I've got an international client and somebody is a friend of theirs that is a registered buying agent who comes in and says, well, look, Bill, I've got an international client. This is their budget. What have you got? We go and discuss what I want. Yeah. 
And I think there's another most important thing with agency, especially at the beginning. Don't just go and pick somebody up and take them to a property just because it's on your books. Listen, when, when I purchased a, a house in Strathfield many years ago, and I had an early opener, so I was up at four o'clock in the morning and we used to close the pub at about eight o'clock and nine o'clock at night. I wrote a letter to all the, uh, all the agents in the Strathfield area. I told them exactly the size of the land I wanted, told them I was happy to do a renovation. George Devine. Now we're talking a long time ago. He's dead. He has a son in real estate in Strathfield. I never forgot George. He showed me two properties. Both of those properties matched the criteria that I wanted. The other agents in Strathfield showed me a number of properties only because they had them on their books. I found that extremely insulting and time-wasting for me. Now, George Devine died 15 years ago, probably longer. I'll never forget him. I've never forgotten his name. I've spoken to his son, who still runs an office, uh, and I think it's at Hooker's in, uh, in Strathfield. Yeah. Why? Because he treated me and didn't insult the expectations that I wanted on the two properties. And that's what this game's about. Mm. Connecting. I mean, it's 40 yeah. years ago, for God's sake. Yeah. And to the, my memory remembers it, never forget it. And if I was in that area, I'd have given him the property back mm. to sell. Yeah. It's funny how, people, how long people remember these things. Look, you don't 100%. forget. You don't forget a good experience in a restaurant. No, never. And you'll go back. And you want to think that the experience that you put your clients through, whether it be as a salesman or a, a buying agent, is one that was amicable and it was worth the experience for them and the result that you got was an exceptional result. Mm. And they feel comfortable in, in the time that they spent with you. And the same with, with, with purchase, uh, purchasing agents. Yeah. It's about an experience. We never forget a bad experience. We never forget about a bad meal and say, I'll never do that again. I'll never go back to, to, the, to that place again. Yeah. And we've got to build a credibility relationship with the clients on both sides of the fence. Gotcha. Frankness, honesty, product knowledge, accessibility um, are the goals. And I haven't changed those goals. Yeah. And I won't change them. I mean, I don't need to leave my phone on, mm. even when I'm on holidays. But I've always, I, wow. I do not turn it off. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that have put me to the test. Wow. One and two in the morning. And then you get those idiots that get drunk and ring you up and you know, <laughs> what do you want for that? Fuck you, man. Can you, you just hang the phone up. Yeah. Um, but accessibility in this industry is extremely important. Mm. And you can, as a buying agent, go and ring agents after five o'clock. And I guarantee you, they won't answer yeah. the phone. Wait, there's plenty of plenty. Plenty there's of plenty. And I find that frustrating. I want the information. Mm. Mm. Now, um, I guess kind of to wrap up things with yourself, what would be one of the well, your, the biggest advice for myself and Daniel? Obviously, being a bit newer into the industry or to other new uh, agents into the industry, being one or two years in, what would be your biggest piece of advice? Um, I don't think that enough agents, and, and it, it, it's changing, yeah. that their client lists of the, the properties that they've actually opened 
People don't diarize those names enough to ring them to follow. Did you purchase? Where did you purchase? Um, have you got something to sell? That's really important, without a doubt. Yes, there's a lot of when you're in the industry new, and it's very difficult to spend those two hours a day, maybe, or at least an hour and a half, on telephone calls, street calls, um, uh, two to three streets around the area, you've just made a sale, one of those properties will come up. Mm. And, and it is, it's one of the hardest things to do in real estate. Yeah. Pick up that telephone and sit there. Now, David has been in this industry, I've what, about six years, yeah. my son. He has his own client base completely. He's at my office at 7.30 in the morning, goes to the gym first thing, and I'd say David is still there at nine o'clock at night. I have oh, not wow. fed him. I've in the, because I think other, it's when you've got other sales to people, you must do the right thing by everyone that sits in your office. And I'm the client base that he's developed yeah. in the period of time that he's been with us. And he's constantly in the papers now, and it's all his work based on the advice that I originally gave him. Product knowledge, accessibility. First one in, last one out. Yep. How many days a week is he working? Six days. Six days. Wow. 12, 13, 14 hour days. Absolutely. Same as I did. Yeah. Got to the office at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning and I was still there at 10 p.m. at night. And nice. anybody that wants to be a success in this industry needs early to put those hours in. Yeah. To go back to your old... I've got, I don't do those sheets where they go in the files and the files go. I keep books of every name that I've dealt with and we go back to those people. I have a, a complete on my phone, the client base that I've worked with for the last 20 years that I can just turn around, how are you? I've just recently engaged a new um, personal manager. We have dropped a thousand properties just for one reason only, to introduce individually um, uh, on the, uh, to their names and to their house, not just house owner, the client's name, the client's wife's name, a letter from me about what's happening in the market now, the introduction with a photograph of my personal manager, Georgia, and it's a way, and it's amazing, the calls that I've had back said, what a lovely letter received. How are the family? What's wow. going on? Wow. Are you thinking of doing something? How's your investment properties? Who's managing them? Do you still know we, we had this? And the main reason for this is the introductory to Georgia. Relationship building. Personally, um, letterbox drop, um, and they don't open it up as dear vendor. They open it up with their names. Love it. Beautiful. Thank you. You've got to have the personal touch. Appreciate it. Thank no. you, Bill. Mate, phenomenal, mate. That was just, I'm just listening. I'm, yeah, really, I I'm not even asking questions. I just want to listen. <laughs> mate, with the six it's, hours. It's, it's not difficult. Yeah. yeah well. Look at Ron Pillinger. He was a genius. Mm. If there was anything north of 10 million, it was in Rob's lap. He mm. never argued with people. He didn't fight with people, but he got the job done. Mm. It, was, it was personal service. Mm. Uh, mate, thank you so much. That was Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Mate, fantastic.